Terror charges to go to trial for the case of the Islamophobic attack in London two years ago. Toronto Metropolitan University's men's soccer team is suspended, but no explanation of why. Massive E. coli outbreak at 11 children's institutions, daycares included in Calgary. Protests in Morocco over the murder of two jet skiers who crossed into Algerian waters by accident and were killed. And South Korean teachers take to the street to demand an end to harassment. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. First this morning, we start in Windsor, where Nathaniel Veltman will finally be on trial for the murder of the Afsal family more than two years ago in London, Ontario. Veltman is alleged to have intentionally targeted the Muslim family and hit them with his truck. He has been charged with terrorism charges. That might seem like an obvious charge for such a crime, but prosecutors have been reluctant to charge mass murderers who have been driven by hatred with terrorism. I followed the trial of Alexandre Sinet very closely and watched the debates and reasonings behind why first-degree murder charges were chosen and not terror charges. It basically boiled down to which charges would be easier to prove in court. Terrorism law is less tested than first-degree murder, and so goes the logic. It might have been harder to secure a conviction if he had been charged with terrorism. But now, Veltman will be standing charges of terrorism. It will be the first time that terrorism laws will be tested like this since they were passed after 9-11, including the first time that a jury will deliberate on terrorism charges, reports the London Free Press. The other two times that cases have dealt with terror charges, there were no juries, and both times the accused pled guilty. The London Free Press's Jane Sims quoted Michael Nesbitt, a law professor at the University of Calgary, who noted that the cases had all been heard in the past three years. Today, jury selection starts. To reach a verdict, the jury's decision will need to be unanimous. Veltman was charged with four counts of first-degree murder as well, and one count of attempted murder. Because of these and the terror charges, there will be both federal and provincial prosecutors arguing the case. Faisal Baba, an associate professor at Osgoode Hall Law School, said that it's important that this case is being considered as a terror case because Islamophobia has not been dealt with as seriously as it needs to be. Sim quotes him saying this, quote, Canadian Muslims as a whole and individuals in particular circumstances have been unfairly tarred with terrorism associations. The reality in Canada, however, is that far more people have been injured by anti-Muslim violence than by radical Islamist violence. So it is symbolically powerful to recognize an anti-Muslim violent hate crime as terrorism, even if it is not technically necessary for securing a conviction with a life sentence. That symbolic value may also have a deterrent effect, unquote. And that's definitely also a lot of what I heard from the families of the victims in the Quebec City shooting as well, who, of course, were disappointed that there were no terror charges applied to Bissonnette. The victims of this attack were Salman Afzal, who was 46, his mother, Talat Afzal, who was 74, Mariha Salman, 44, and their daughter, Yumna, who was 15. A boy survived the attack. Next to my alma mater, Toronto Metropolitan University, where the men's soccer team has been suspended from all activities. The university has opened an investigation, but has not said what kind of investigation or what the alleged, quote, serious and concerning behaviors, unquote, are that were found in a report. 
The news was broken by the campus newspaper, The Eye Opener, and reporter Elias Hussein. The university made this statement, quote, a report had been received by the university alleging serious and concerning behavior. The university is investigating fully and the activities of the men's soccer team have been suspended until further notice, unquote. Hussein quoted someone from the university who said that the team will be defaulting games and, quote, if there are any other changes to the schedule, we'll let you know, unquote. In classic university fashion, they said that there will be no more comment until an investigation is completed. Because why would they try to do anything with a bit of transparency? Eh, TMU admin? Huh? Reporting from Mitchell Fox at the Eye Opener just a few weeks ago said that the team, quote, have their sights set on championships in 2023. In 2022, they lost at the provincial finals. This piece by Mitchell Fox is quite interesting because it's glowing. It quotes several members of the team and the coaches, all information that's not in Hussein's piece, nor has it been picked up by mainstream media. The articles that I've seen in mainstream media basically report exactly what Hussein wrote about the charges. But if you go back and see the buzz that was around this team, it gives a bit of insight as to what everyone's hopes were that they were going to be able to achieve this year. One of the team recruits for 2023, Christopher Campoli, is quoted in the Fox piece saying, quote, I feel we're going to come out flying right out of the gates. The sky is the limit for the group of guys we have this year, unquote. The idea of TMU having a soccer team is funny to me, as we never had anything close to varsity soccer, though I did play a lot of intramural soccer. This is a brand new team, so any kinds of hazing or other typical sports abuse rituals, if that is what's happening here, would have no history along with this new team. It's its second year of operating. Or maybe the issue is sexual assault. Or maybe the players are into Bitcoin. We have no idea because the university has decided to say nothing, which is shameful. But to the eye-opener, keep reporting this because mainstream journalists are paying attention. Next to Calgary, where an E. coli outbreak at a single kitchen has spread to six daycares and five other locations. The daycares are all part of the Fueling Brains chain. The other locations are the Brainier, 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 I don't know how to pronounce that one, Brainier, no, Brainier Academy, Kids Space, Little Oak Early Education, Almond Branch School, and Vic Academy. And I just need to pause. Aside from Brainier, it's, that's literally brain with an E-E-R at the end fueling brains <laughs> where were the the owners on E coli when they came up with these names Oh my God. As a result of the outbreak, there have been 17 confirmed cases. 12 people have been hospitalized and some 50 children have been to the hospital, says Alberta's Health Service. The article from CTV's Craig Ellison is pretty much all based on a press release from the AHS and doesn't mention anything about the kitchen itself, like who owns and operates it. AHS has informed parents about the outbreak and good news too, because if you go to the Fueling Brains website, there's literally no information at all warning parents parents about the poisonings. Fueling Brains was co-founded by an accountant, though their website doesn't say who the other co-founder was. I couldn't find anywhere what these institutions charge for tuition, but as someone who's used to a daycare where parents form the governance committees of the public daycare, the pages and pages of policies uh, make me despair. This is the kind of place where you pay $1 extra for every minute you are late picking up your kid at the agreed upon time. And indeed, my kids' meals were prepared in the daycare itself. Itself. This story made me wonder, when you run something like a factory, I guess it's easier for an outbreak like this to go further than only being isolated to a single location. Now, I couldn't find if fueling brains and kid you 
company, the companies that are running all these corporations, if they're private for profit or if they're private not for profit. Certainly the website is slick enough to suggest that it might be for profit, but I have no idea. I'm going to be following the story closely and I will let you know as more information comes out as it only broke late last night. Next, protests have erupted in Morocco after the Algerian Coast Guard seemingly shot and killed a group of people who were on jet skis who found themselves in Algerian waters from Morocco. Morocco said that two tourists were killed as a result of the incident. One of the dead was Bilal Kisi, a French Moroccan. The other was his cousin, Abdelali Mehour, who was a resident of France. Algeria's Ministry of Defense admitted that their forces fired on people on jet skis. Morocco's National Council for Human Rights decried the act, condemning the Algerian forces' use of live ammunition against unarmed civilians. Algeria claimed that they attacked the men because of their fears that drug trafficking and organized crime have been using jet skis to cross the maritime border. Despite their proximity, or perhaps because of it, Morocco and Algeria have no diplomatic relations. Their maritime border has been closed since the 1990s due to disputed territory in the Western Sahara, reports Al Jazeera. And finally, in South Korea, teachers organized a massive walkout to protest widespread harassment, in particular from overbearing parents. The stress has pushed some teachers to commit suicide. Yesterday, about 15,000 people rallied outside the country's National Assembly in Seoul. They all wore black. Other rallies were held in other cities in South Korea as well. The authorities declared the walkout illegal, reports The Guardian. Some of the teachers took the day off officially, but many just walked out, and some schools were closed as a result. The spark for this movement was the suicide of a young teacher who blamed her death on the stress related to parents who were being abusive. Vigils have been held all over the country and as many as 200,000 people have participated in them. Yesterday was the 49th day since her death, an important day of mourning to many Buddhist traditions. The 49th day is the seventh day of seven weeks of mourning and many Buddhists believe that rebirth occurs around this time. Some 100 teachers have died from suicide in South Korea since 2018. The country has the highest rate of suicide among developed countries. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Nora. It is Tuesday. Normally, Sandy and Nora would be dropping in a couple of hours. As I said, there's been something that's come up. We haven't been able to do it this week, but we are recording today, so you will have an episode in one week. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnor.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful day and stay cool if you're living in an oppressive heat wave like I am.